everyone. Welcome back to the Bike Rumor podcast. Today, I have Carl Bjornsson, who is the founder or co-founder of Pocket Pedals, which is a little device that lets you basically turn any clipless style pedal into a mini flat pedal that make it super easy if you want to use your main bike to get around town or whatever. So we're going to talk about how they came up with the idea, how the how the market's going and more just fun stuff. So Carl, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, sure. So you are based in Iceland, which I don't know why I didn't realize until we started going back and forth, but <laughs> not a bad spot, I guess. Yeah, it's quite nice between right uh, between the two continents. <laughs> are uh, you in Reykjavik or where are you at? Yeah, yeah, based in Reykjavik. Cool. Most okay. most of us are based in Reykjavik. I was just going <laughs> to say, it seems like that's kind of, you're either there or you're in like one of the very small sort of fishing towns scattered along the coast. And there's not a lot in the middle of Iceland. No, there's highlands and mostly inhospitable. So you're not, nobody, not many people want to live there. Right. Yeah, yeah. we've been and visited some of that stuff. It's, it's fantastic. And I highly recommend going at some point and having that place on your bucket list and almost even avoiding the touristy traps and just really getting out into the middle and seeing the wonder of the land there. I definitely recommend it. It's it's good for biking. If people are interested, there is a competition on yearly uh, where they go around the island either as a as a team, like a relay team or as a uh, you know, as as individuals. So, it's around 1300-1400 kilometers. So it's a good race. Recommend it to anybody who's looking for sort of a new challenge. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. And then there's always the rift, the guys over at Lauf put on for gravel racing. And I'm sure yeah, there's more. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. Well, let's talk about your product for a minute. So explain what is Pocket Pedal? So Pocket Pedals is a simple adapter to convert your clipless pedals to a regular pedal. And sort of the reason it came about originally was well, I, I use a road bike uh, as much as I'd like to get into mountain biking. and haven't done so yet, although I really enjoy it. Well, most of the time I use it when I'm on a mountain bike, I end up falling down. But <laughs> but I'm a, I'm a road bike guy. And uh, I've always used Shimano, SPDSL, so I was clipped. Uh, then a few years back, was teaching my daughter, who at the time was around five years old, teaching her to ride a bike and hadn't really gone through that process yet. So didn't think much of it, just clipped myself in and, and we went off. Uh, and then when she started swerving around, sort of realizing that being clipped was perhaps a little, little dangerous. So just started using regular shoes on the clips and found that to be annoying and frustrating. So out of that, I just sprung this idea of wanting to do, make something really simple. Like I, I could swap the pedals for other pedals, but I was usually going out. The reason I was doing you know, needed a flat pedal was because of this little five-year-old who'd lose patience immediately and I couldn't be taking time switching pedals. So I just wanted something simple, something that would take me a second to slide onto my clipless pedals. And then I would change the practicality and the purpose of my bike. And it literally uh, slides, right? It's like, it's really is like a pocket that slides over the pedal. Is that where yeah. the name came from? Or is it because you can fit it in your pocket or Sort of a, originally because you could fit it in the pocket, but then the, the design also, it had a, like a dual meaning. So we kept it. Very cool. So explain, I, I mean, I'd super summarize it. It's literally a thing that kind of folds open and slides over the pedal. But how, how do you typically explain it to somebody that isn't quite understanding what you're talking about? Well, that would be, it's, it's a very simple product, but it's simple. It, it took a while to develop. It is, it was a lot more complex in actual development than it is the way it looks in order to get it this simple. It, 
it took us a while to get there. What the way I would explain it is simply, you know, you want to use your bike on a any regular commute or down to the shops or go out with the family. Uh, instead of wasting time changing your pedals, slide these over. Essentially, you squeeze them open where two living hinges will open up, slide them over your clipless pedal and release. And the tension in those living hinges will grab or keep force around the clipless pedals. And then certain fixtures, fixtures on the inside will make sure it stays in place and doesn't rotate. So you have a large platform that's suitable for any type, normal type of shoe or any, any size feet in that, <laughs> for that matter, with good grip uh, to allow you to go out and use your, uh, yeah, use your otherwise performance bike as a, as a regular bike with regular pedals. Very cool. And is it for SPDSLs only or do you make them for look or time or like uh, any other kind of road pedals? So the version we have out now is for both SPD and SPDSL and in the same unit. So you flip them around, uh, you have one side for the SPDs, uh, and that fits for almost all SPD types uh, intended for Shimano-style SPDs. And then you flip them over, and on the other side, you have SPDSLs, which fits any SPDSL type. So if you have a mountain bike with SPDs and a road bike with SPDSLs, you can use you know, one pair for, for both of them. But we are working on a look version and we'll have that uh, out later this year. Very cool. Yeah, so the what's it made of? Because it, it looks like a, a plastic. I'm sure it's probably a more technical material than that. Type of plastic called TPU. We selected this material because it gives it a certain amount of stiffness where it needs to be stiff, like on the platforms, and then flexibility like in the hinges where it needs to be able to flex uh, and durability. So one thing is we may have over-engineered a little bit because <laughs> it is very difficult to break them or, or ruin them. And obviously wouldn't want that to happen, but you don't, you're probably never going to have to buy another pair. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, not good for business, but you know, most of us have more than one bike. So it's, yeah, uh, that's true. That's true. I, I guess though, but the portability or the ease of switching, cause it literally, it looks like it only takes a couple seconds. We're, we're waiting on our little sample pair to come in here and play with them ourselves. Cause I love the concept because yeah, like there's a lot of times when I want to ride one of my gravel bikes or something to the store or my son wants to borrow it or whatever. And um, yeah, just, he's not going to clip in for riding over to hang out with his friends. No, exactly. And I mean, to be honest, I it originally had developed this for myself. It was, it was a 3d printed piece that, you know, just CAD designed and, and, uh, uh, 3D printed and then only became an idea for a product when people started asking where they could get some. And I, I had the only two pairs uh, <laughs> that were available. Uh, but the reason was because I live quite centrally in Reykjavik. I have a, at, at the time had no space for a separate bike. So I just had the one bike. Don't exactly have the space for uh, uh, maintenance or anything like that. So ideally not wanting to mess around too much with swapping pedals, just get the bike ready and go and not having multiple bikes. So one bike for most purposes is sort of what I was going for, and this just made that more practical and simpler. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of big cities where people live that have that same struggle, right? Or they have to carry bikes up and down stairs and sit into small flats or apartments, yeah. So it's a good solution. Yeah, normally, a lot of our interviews are about more technical products, and there's a lot to explain, but this one's so simple. <laughs> so I kind of want to ask you about the business a little bit, because I'm always fascinated about the, the story behind how this came about which it, it seems like it solved a personal problem but from there 
you know, Iceland, I, I just imagine maybe it's slightly more difficult to get things manufactured because you're probably not manufacturing there, or are you? No, 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 no. We, we, it's manufactured in Lithuania, uh, and then we distribute out of the Netherlands. So we're present in, in Europe at the moment. Our main markets are Benelux with distributors in, in Italy and the UK. Of course, shops in between here and there as well, and, and some online retailers. And then, of course, we sell on our own website as well, pocketpedals.com. How did you find Lithuania? Like, Or how did you find your manufacturer to begin with? Googling, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but I uh, had conversations with, you know, had ne- a network uh, and contacts that uh, directed me to companies that that were involved in this type of manufacturing. So uh, I, I got a good idea of what I was looking for and what kind of partner I was looking for. Also, what kind of services they had. I mean, it's a, some, some, one, it's some engineering support as well as manufacturing. So, uh, and looking for a long-term partner, it made sense for uh, the company or the, for this partner to be relatively close for, you know, you had to consider language barriers and, and, and time zone, et cetera. So Lithuania was when this popped, this company popped up on the radar, it, it made good sense and worked very well since then. Very and cool. then Netherlands came out of uh, networking contact as well. You know, no good people in the Netherlands who were able to help me help me get set up. And so most of the market is in or my market moment is in is in uh, is in Europe. So there's no point shipping the pedals all the way to Iceland to then ship them back to Europe. Yeah, definitely uh, not. That's cool. So, yeah. I know you're you want and are working on u.s distribution but we'll, we'll get to that because I'm, I'm a little bit curious like what the process for that is looking like for you and how it's going but backing up for a minute so when you found the manufacturing partner and you had your 3d prototypes or your 3d printed prototypes and the concept what were some of the challenges to going from concept to a finished product prototyping took a long time because it was uh we've improved the method at this point like so for the look version for example we, we've improved the method of prototyping and testing considerably but it was painful but <laughs> because it was all trial and error you make one small change and it it changes the the function almost entirely or not function uh, behavior because it is entirely i mean it is a flex flexible piece it is all molded as one molded as one part firstly which is complex because uh you have a very uh, you have some strange geometry in this, which is difficult to mold. So it became a complex mold. So prototyping it meant 3D printing something, and 3D printers are very good at creating randomly shaped objects, which is probably why it looks the way it looks because it originally <laughs> came from 3D printing. Uh, and then you know, making sure that you, when you made a change, you could keep whatever has worked in the past fixed and then just changing something else when you have a piece that is made of flexible material that took quite a few trials and errors and then moving this over into a molded piece was probably the next biggest challenge and just what kind of mold can we use and how uh, how do we mold this so it comes out as one whole part with all the sliders and everything that's needed for that when we took off for and started then making the look version you know, we, we had a lot to base that on and kind of assume now that we've learned a lot, this next one shouldn't be so difficult. <laughs> and it turned out it was because uh, geometry there was different, even though it looks very similar. Uh, the geometry there was different. Curvatures were a lot smoother and, and less stuff to grip onto. But since then, created a better method for prototyping, which uh, which is 
you know, improve the process considerably. That's cool. Yeah, I imagine you you have to probably mold them in the closed position to create the tension, right? So it's which I'm guessing must leave a much smaller gap in the middle. So yeah, I, I, molds must be pretty uh, tricky themselves. Yeah, yeah, they are. We we at first at some stage we looked into just can we just 3D print these, and we haven't really gotten there with 3D printers yet, or at least you know maybe for larger companies that that have that capacity. But if you're looking to have something. You know, relatively simple like this made in, in any volume 3d printing is is not there yet yeah probably just takes way too long right yeah it takes a while right. well i mean i mean i've kept up there are there are it is changing rapidly and there, there are new methods coming out every now like quite regularly so uh it might be better now than it was when when we started out yeah everything's moving so fast so let's talk about the u.s distribution well i guess the european distribution then in sorry i know it's not belgium you said it Luxembourg, uh, Benelux, so, Benelux uh, region is uh, it covers all of Europe essentially for you. No, that would be that would be um, Belgium, Netherlands, and and Luxembourg. Then have uh, other partners in in the UK, and then so we, we it's been fairly regional. Found partners in in who focus on their respective countries or their respective regions, but obviously you have like online retail companies who who sell across borders. And then, uh, yeah, just always looking for new partners who, who are interested in in adding a unique and uh, clever little product like this to their portfolio. Right. So, what is what's been the challenge in getting U.S. distribution so far? Well, I'd say the challenge overall in distribution so far, which sort of shadows any other challenge. So, it, it kind of makes it difficult to pinpoint what other challenges have been there. Is is the fact that this product we rolled this product out during the middle of covid so everything was locked down we couldn't travel to the u.s in the first place you couldn't go meet anybody so every all partnerships that we've created have been through through email or, or through video call or something like that like not a lot of opportunities to go to shows yet obviously now the, the opportunities are starting up and and hopeful for this year but i guess challenges in the u.s would just be to get the product out there and get more People using it, which has actually been picking up quite a bit on our website. We have quite a lot of orders uh, through our website from the U.S., but because uh, we're you know we're a small company and and we can only offer express shipping at a certain price, and we'd ideally like for our customers not to have to pay the high price for shipping. Yeah, because the retail price is like what you said it's about to change or is changing at the moment. So I don't want to say something wrong. <laughs> no, so, so our retail price is uh, is uh, twenty nine ninety nine. Has been, and and that's the the U.S. price that we are uh, that we're aiming for will be be similar to that. Obviously, when it's on sale in the U.S. Right. So, what about uh, trying to get into some of the mailers like Jensen USA or competitive cyclists backcountry places like that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, those would be the sort of uh, I, those sort of retailers have worked have been uh, quite keen. On the product in in Europe, and it's uh, picked up there, or it's worked well through right. those sort of uh, distributorships there. So I would imagine that would work quite well like that in the, in the states as well. Does it take a different approach when you're pitching a mail or a company versus a traditional distributor that then has to take it to retail? And, and I, you know, I'm not asking to give up pricing schemes and all that. I'm just curious, like, what's the process and the sales pitch you have to go through? Is it a lot different, or is it just still just Here's the benefits. Here's the products. Here's the pricing. I think I get this is something that I've just sort of learned uh, through the process as well. But 
I usually start with talking about what is the, why would your end, the customer of your customer want to use this in the first place? And then, then work the way back. And, and to a, to a distributor, it's always margins that, that matter. You know, you gotta run your business based on some, some metric and there's some minimum margin they need to achieve. And, you know, you gotta be able to, to demonstrate that your product, which, you know, is already new. You're already trying to convince them of some new, new concept and, and a product from a small brand that is, that is, uh, that is unknown. You at least got to be able to, to provide them with uh, the margins they would expect. So if you meet that criteria, then, then the other hurdle is just, okay, let's now have people try it out and, and, uh, get a small order to begin with and roll it out in some test market and see if people like it or take it out with salespeople and see what the shops think, which, you know, takes a little bit of time. But so far, the feedback from that sort of process has always been positive. And, and the feedback from the product, uh, online and, and elsewhere has always been positive as well. It does what it says on the tin. It just works. It meets expectations for sure. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And like you said, it lasts forever. So that's, that's a good uh, yeah. quality, you know, right? There's other products out there that aim to do something similar, but the methodology is a little bit different. I mean, I've seen some that kind of clip into the cleat to create a platform, but um, what's, you know, do you feel like you have competition in this space or is it really just competition for attention? Ah, there's competition. There are other products that, that aim to do something similar. The difference with this is I, I wanted to create something that was uh, sort of more emulated a pedal than an adapter. Once you slide it on, it just it feels like you're stepping on, on the pedal. Uh, so you have two sides to it that you don't, if you're in traffic or something, you don't have to look down, you don't have to flip it over and make sure you're stepping on the right side. And you don't need to have different versions of it for, for different types of uh, clipless pedals. You just have this one and it just works for your pedals that you're using, whether they be your road or your mountain bike pedals. And it's durable. Some of those that I used before, these type of adapters had a, had a tendency to break when you have plastic on, on metal and didn't want that to happen. So that's hence the very durable <laughs> material that, uh, that isn't going to break. All right. Cool. Well, that was, I, this is going to be a short episode. I think, um, kind of out of questions because it really is just such a simple concept and fantastic one as well and you know wish you best luck and i can't wait for them to be available here because i probably have about 20 friends that would go grab a set right away what else should anybody know about you guys or where can we find you is it just pocketpedals.com or yeah pocketpedals.com reach out at, out to us at info at pocketpedals.com if you want to if you want to ask us any questions or know anything more about or have any particular brands that you would like to see uh a uh, converter for, um, or just any other questions, then, then happy to, happy to answer any, answer anybody on there. Or if, if you uh, see this as a product that might fit into your portfolio, whether you're a retailer or a distributor, reach out to us at uh, info at pocketpedals.com. Cool. I actually, I did think of some of the, so for the look compatible version that you're coming out with, what's the mountain bike side going to be? Are you going to try and work with like uh, egg beaters or something else that's fairly popular? Or? Right now, we're we're on the the look ones will be road only to begin with. Okay. Uh, then we'll, there there will be a version after that. So, but to begin with, we we focused on the uh, Max and the Classic for the look versions. Cool. Yeah, I guess that one might be a little more challenging because with SPDSLs, it's literally one size for all the models, as far as I know. Uh, but yeah. look, yeah, they change the platform size and the the size of stuff quite frequently, don't they? Exactly. Exactly. Like to, to the naked eye, it looks pretty similar, but then you try to 
create some piece that's meant to grab it and hold on to it through whatever you type of beating you try to put it through, then uh, then it becomes more of a challenge. Very cool. Right on. Well, everybody, if you're trying to use your main bike as your bar bike and commuter bike and everything else, definitely check out pocketpedals.com. Carl, thank you so much for your time and sharing your story with us. Much appreciated. Thanks very much. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this interview and you want more great chats with the people behind the brands and products that we ride every day, hit that subscribe button. And if you have a second, leave us a rating or review. That helps us reach more riders around the world and continue to attract top guests. For a list of all of our episodes or to suggest a guest for a future episode, head over to bikerumor.com slash podcast. In the meantime, you can catch all the latest news on bikerumor.com or follow us on social. We are at bikerumor on all the things. Until next time, stay safe out there and keep the rubber side down.